0: And uh, if you turn in your Bibles to the book of 1st Thessalonians, that last verse of the song, It Is Well With My Soul, really goes with the theme of the book of 1st Thessalonians. And for the past several weeks, we've been studying the book of 1st Thessalonians. And this morning, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to look at the entire book of 1st Thessalonians as a whole. This is a, a book sermon, a sermon on the whole book. We've now looked at each individual part of 1 Thessalonians. In some cases, if you were to divide it into the five main divided in today, you know, we had more than one message on some of the parts. But the whole theme of 1 Thessalonians is looking forward to the return of Christ and living in light of that return. You know, since Tuesday's election, in light of the, with all the current events, some of the unrest, some of the, the discussion in the news lately, uh, many people are encouraged that despite the current events, they're looking forward to the inauguration of a new president. Others on the other side, maybe they're looking forward to the next election. or some, But, uh, but they're looking forward to a future event nonetheless. And uh, with, with Christians, with us as believers, we are looking forward to future events. And for the Thessalonians, who Paul wrote to, they are encouraged by Paul's epistle of 1 Thessalonians written for their encouragement in light of Christ's return. And in 1 Thessalonians, Paul gives the Thessalonian church five areas of encouragement in light of the future return of Christ. First, in 1 Thessalonians 1, we see Paul encouraging us to live our lives with an attitude that is enlightened by Christ's return. That attitude allows us to work and wait patiently for the return of Christ, enduring suffering, enduring persecution in this life. And second, Paul encourages us by reminding us of the rewards for faithfulness to Christ when he returns. The rewards that we have to look forward to. And third, Paul encourages us regarding how we ought to live, what the Christian life should be in light of Christ's coming. And fourth, Paul encourages us regarding believers who have Passed away, who are asleep in Christ and the encouragement and comfort that we have regarding them in light of Christ's return. And fifth, Paul encourages us on to what our actions should be now in light of Christ's return. Let's bow for prayer and we'll look at the book of 1 Thessalonians. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning and through this message, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that, that we would be encouraged to live in light of your return. I pray that we would look forward to that day, and we'd leave, we would live each day in light of your return. Just bless this time, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we look at the book of 1 Thessalonians, I'd like to look at a little bit of its background. Let's go to Acts chapter 16. And I know I I've, I've mentioned the book of Acts, especially in, in the first sermon on 1 Thessalonians. But I think it's important to look at the background of Thessalonica. Thessalonica was a prosperous city and still is today. It is the second most important city in Greece today after Athens. And it was the second most important city during the Eastern Roman Empire, second to Constantinople, which is modern day Istanbul. And so there's a large population of Turks, used to be a lot of many Jews who lived in the city and then also Greeks. It was at this time really one of the most important cities in Macedonia. It's still considered the cultural and political capital of the Macedonia region of Greece today. It's an important port city, an important crossroads. It was on uh, a, a main trade route, and so very important city. And in the book of Acts, as Paul travels from city to city, he does not stop at every city, but he stops at certain cities, where he establishes churches, and those churches are to reach out and evangelize their city and reach out to the surrounding cities. He doesn't necessarily go to Thessalonica because it's the largest city, or the most important city, because there was actually another city that was larger at the time. But because God directs him here, and God had a plan to use the faithful Thessalonian church And we see how encouraging Paul is to them in the book of 1 Thessalonians. This is Paul's first epistle, the first epistle he writes. And let's look at the founding of that church. Acts 16.9 mentions Paul's calling to Macedonia. Acts 16.9 says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over unto Macedonia and help us. Thessalonica is one of the main cities in Macedonia. Turn to Acts 17. Looks like verses 1 through 10. Acts 17, verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. where there was a synagogue of the Jews. So they passed by those two other cities, one of which was even larger or just as large and as important as Thessalonica, but they passed by those two and came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. In verse 2, And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen, again from the dead, and that this Jesus, which I preach unto you, is the Christ. So he's taking the Old Testament and speaking to the Jews, his people, who he had a great burden for. And whenever he went to a city, although he was the apostle to the Gentiles, he usually started by going to the synagogue and opening the Old Testament, showing them the prophecies that speak of Christ. I'm sure Isaiah was one of those that we heard this message of a few weeks ago. And he Upon reasoning with them, he's not just having a philosophy debate with them. He's showing them the prophecies and telling them these speak of Jesus. The response is mixed. Some believe in Christ. Others reject Christ. Look at verse 4. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few, But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city in an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And perhaps Paul was staying with Jason, or at least he was one of the one of the important people in the church that Paul had established. Verse six. And when they had found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. So Paul's reputation preceded him. He had just come from Philippi. And Philippi is where he had been jailed, he and Silas, and put in stocks, and they had been beaten, and the earthquake had shook the prison, and the Philippian jail- jailer got saved as a result of Paul and Silas's testimony. He took them to their house, and they were released, and they came to Thessalonica. And their reputation, apparently some Jews from from other cities came and and spoke evil of Paul and Silas and their faith. And look at their accusation against Jason. Verse 7, Whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people the rulers of the city, when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the others, they let them go. And the brethren immediately, meaning they made bail, basically, took security. Verse 10, and the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who came thither and went into the synagogue of the Jews. And so Paul and Silas continued. But because of how he's rushed out of Thessalonica at its founding, He wants to send them a letter. And notice the persecution at Thessalonica is so fierce. His opposition was so determined. Look at verse 13 of the same chapter in Acts 17, verse 13. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. So the the opposition is so strong in Thessalonica that Paul not only has to leave Thessalonica, and go to another city, but they follow him, his opposition, the Jews in Thessalonica, follow him to Berea, and he has to leave Berea as well. Let's look at Philippians 4, verse 16, tracing Thessalonica and Paul's relationship with the Thessalonian church, before finally looking again at the book of Thessalonica, uh, Thessalonians. Philippians 4, Verse 16. Philippians 4, 16 says, For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. So apparently when Paul was in Thessalonica, he was there for some time. And he was, as mentioned in Thessalonians chapter 1, which we saw, Uh, In one of the early messages from Thessalonians, Paul was working as a tent maker, working with his hands to provide for his needs. And the Thessalonians, perhaps it's the Philippian jailer, excuse me, the Philippians, perhaps it's the Philippian jailer, sent help, sent um, an offering basically to Paul to help support him while he was in Thessalonica. So he was in Thessalonica for some time, even though it only mentions three Sabbath days. It may have been longer, but it even if it was only for three Sabbath days, that'd be about three weeks, about a month, he spent a considerable time establishing the church there. And he maintained some of the friendships that he makes there. Look at Colossians 4.10. Colossians 4.10 says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. And Aristarchus is mentioned in another passage, as being from Thessalonica, and so he had those from Thessalonica that supported him would end up going to prison with him. Second uh, Timothy 4:10 is the last place the Thessalonians are mentioned. Demas goes to Thessalonica when he forsakes Paul. Let's go now to the book of First Thessalonians. So there was some distractions in Thessalonica. It says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And apparently there's a lot of worldly distractions in Thessalonica. But despite all this, let's look at the book of First, Thess- First Thessalonians. The Thessalonians were particularly faithful to the gospel, even in the midst of suffering. Paul encourages us he encourages the Thessalonians first regarding our attitude toward Christ in light of his return. Look at the attitude of the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 9 through 10. The attitude that Paul encourages them to have. And we'll start at verse 1 for the context of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Silvanus And our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us, and the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost. So that ye were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. So the Thessalonians had become such good followers of the teachings that Paul had taught them and of the Lord that they were examples to all in that region, Macedonia, where Thessalonica is located. Verse 8 For from you, Sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, your faith to God's word is spread abroad, so that we need not say anything. But they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols, to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom, is, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come. So you see, Paul is encouraging the Thessalonians. He's telling them to keep up. He's praising them for their waiting for Jesus. They're waiting for his return. And they're patiently working until then. And they're enduring the sufferings that that forced Paul to leave. And they're spreading the gospel in such a way that whenever Paul comes to another city, they've already heard the gospel because of the work at Thessalonica. And so he praises them for that, encourages them. They have the attitude of waiting and working as they look forward to the return of Christ. And then, second, in second, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we see that Paul encourages us by reminding us of the rewards. For faithfulness at Christ's return. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2 and Paul's encouragement to the Thessalonians. For, yourself, for yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, and that's where they had come from before getting to Thessalonica, as we mentioned. We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention for our exhortation was not of deceit nor of uncleanness nor in guile but as we were allowed by God to put in trust to be put in trust with the gospel even so we speak not as pleasing men but God which trieth our hearts for neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye you know. Nor cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others. Some, uh, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. In other words, they could have you know, demanded to be supported by the, by the church there as they're the apostles, they're the ones sent out to do the work of, of evangelism and church planting. But they are working with their hands, um, Paul being a tent maker, and they also received support from Philippi. And we're not asking the Thessalonians for support. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you. Verse 7 But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but our own souls. Because ye were dear unto us, but, but ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holy and justly and unblamedly we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it were in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. For we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in the presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. And finally, verses 19 and 20. For what is our hope, or our joy, or our crown of rejoicing? Why is it that we go through all the trouble of ministry, of reaching out? of preaching the gospel, of enduring persecution, of enduring suffering this life for being a believer. Why do we go through all this? Look at verse 19 and 20. For what is our hope or our joy or our crown of rejoicing? Are not ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and our joy. So these souls that are one, the church that is built, is worth all the suffering that Paul and his companions go through and it's and in a similar way, the, the Thessalonians they will be faithful and reach others, as Paul has already mentioned, being an example of the believers to all that are in Macedonia. So the reward, the crown at his appearing, we have that to look forward to. We have the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in verse 19. We have the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to look forward to and until that time we want to reach as many souls as we can and that will be our rejoicing when Jesus comes, those who have been reached with the gospel, those who have been discipled in God's word. So we have that reward to look forward to at the coming of Christ. And then third, Paul encourages us regarding our Christian life, how we ought to live a sanctified life set apart to God as, during this life. In 1 Thessalonians 3, look at 1 Thessalonians 3. Remember this whole epistle, when it was really originally writ- written to the Thessalonians, was meant to be writ- read at one time all the way through. So today, you know, we've, we've already looked at each part. Now we're looking at the whole picture here. And, and part, part three here, our sanctified life, how we are to live in light of Christ's coming. Verse 1 of chapter 3, Wherefore, when ye could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we were appointed thereunto. So think of the the afflictions that forced Paul out, the afflictions that brought Jason before the, the judges, before the leaders of the city, and the afflictions that apparently, as we get further in the book, as we've seen already, resulted in the death of some believers. That no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we were, are appointed thereunto. For verily... When we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and your labor be in vain. And when we looked at this passage before, I pointed out to you how much this means to Paul that he can't stand the thought of thinking that the Thessalonians may have fallen away from the faith because of the persecution. And perhaps Paul would have been discouraged himself as an apostle taking the Gospels to the cities to think that his work was in vain. But it wasn't. God had brought an increase, and the Thessalonians were faithful. Look at verse 6. Verse six, but now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to, uh, to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we are comforted over you in all our afflictions and distressed by your faith. In other words, Paul says it's all worth it because of your faithfulness. For now we live, if ye stand fast in the Lord, So this is how we ought to live. We ought to live standing fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men even as we do toward you to the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God even as our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints so here you see it repeatedly mentioned again the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we ought to live we ought to live increasing and abounding in love one toward another verse 12 and toward all men, even as we do toward you, to the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when Jesus comes, we want to be walking unblameable, blameless, having nothing in our lives that someone could take a, take a hold and say, uh, and, and damage you know, the reputation, the testimony of Christ Abounding in love one to another. This is how we ought to live in light of his coming. Looking forward to Christ's coming so that that affects how we live right now. And then in, this continues, chapter 4, verse 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ. That as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk, how ye ought to live in light of the Lord's coming, and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel, meaning your body, in the sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. And because of the pagan idolatry that was prevalent at this time in Thessalonica, there was doubtlessly immorality that went with that pagan religion that the Thessalonians would have had all around them. And Paul's saying, Be separate from that. Don't be involved in that in any way. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we have forewarned you and testified. So another reference to, to Christ in remembering verse 13, when Christ comes, one day Christ is going to return, he's going to rapture his church, and then he's going to bring judgment on this world. We're going to have an, that account before the, the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ, where we give account for how we lived. Verse, verse 7, For God hath not called us into uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given us his Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. So the Thessalonians were already a good example of love, perhaps partly because of the common bond they had, that they were being persecuted, physically persecuted, something that is almost completely foreign to us in the United States, unless you were to, to travel overseas and, and to some place would, would, where you'd be physically persecuted for being a believer or for evangelizing. And they had that, and they had that common bond of love for those who were going through that together, who were believers. But Paul says, even as good as they were an example of love, abound more and more. So, so much for us to abound more and more in love. We need more love for one another. Verse 11, And ye study to be quiet, and to do your own business, and to work with your hands as we commanded you. That you walk honestly, here we're speaking again of how we are to live in the light of Christ's return, that you walk honestly toward them that are without, and that you may have lack of nothing. In other words, again, Paul is speaking of don't quit your jobs, keep working, keep supporting yourselves, and look forward to the coming of Christ. Verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, and this is where we come to the fourth part of the book of 1 Thessalonians. The fourth way in which Paul encourages the Thessalonian church is that we are to be encouraged regarding the death of believers in Christ, regarding the coming of the Lord. We're encouraged because they are with Jesus, and he's going to bring them when he returns, he's going to bring them with him. Let's look at verse 13. First Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that which that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And the emphasis here is that we're going to be reunited with those who have passed away in Christ. We're going to be reunited with them one day whether we are reunited with them when we die and are with Jesus when we die or whether we live to the coming of Christ at the rapture when he brings those who have died in Christ with him and remain unto the coming of the Lord and shall not prevent them which are asleep for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord with the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord wherefore comfort one another with these words so we're to live with that comfort we're to be encouraged knowing that those who have passed on are with Christ and he will bring them when he returns and then the fifth way in which paul encourages the thessalonian church in the book of first thessalonians regarding the coming of christ is to follow certain actions to live these certain actions listed in the fifth chapter of first thessalonians in the light of Christ's return. First few verses of 1 Thessalonians 5 speak of the judgment that will follow the rapture. But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, in other words, let's not forget that Christ is coming and let's not be thinking, yes, he's coming. But then being distracted by other things. That's so what it means not to be sleeping and not to be drunken. Those, those who are not saved, they are, they are dead. They're they are asleep to this truth that Christ is going to return. They're, it's going to overtake them as a thief in the night when Christ returns, but not us. For they that sleep, sleep at night, they are drunken, are drunken in the night, but we. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for an helmet in the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, whether we wake or sleep, whether we live or die. In other words, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also ye do build yourselves up in that truth that Christ is returning and then follow these directions that Paul's going to give verse 12 and we beseech you brethren to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you speaking of church leaders and pastors and missionaries and preachers and verse 13 and to esteem them very highly and to love for their works sake And be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded, those who are discouraged, those who are weak. Support the weak, speaking physically weak, those who need physical help, help them. Be patient toward all men. There are differing personalities, different views, different convictions. Be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Thinking Christ is coming back. Rejoice evermore. We have, we, this life is temporary. We have Christ coming to look forward to. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Don't put out the, 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 the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Don't ignore the Holy Spirit. Don't uh, sin and cause the Holy Spirit's uh, effect in your life to be put out like uh, water on a fire. And 20, despise not prophesying, meaning teachings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, sanctify you, set you apart from, from evil into good. And I, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give yourself fully to God, your, everything that you are to God. Verse 24, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Brethren, it's not our strength that we live in, it's Christ, it's God. Verse 25, brethren, pray for us. Pray for those who are missionaries. Pray for, your, for, pray for me. Pray for the deacons. Pray for one another. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Not just to the Thessalonians, but to all. That's to us today. And we just read all of it to you all. And verse 28, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, amen. And so in that fifth part, you see the actions. What are the actions that we need to have in light of Christ's return? So now we've looked and we've already taken each each individual part over the course of the last few weeks and studied it out in detail. Now we've put it all together, read it all at once, and I hope that that has has a great effect and encouragement for you, that that encourages you in the five main ways that encouraged also the Thessalonians, that we are to be encouraged in the attitude that we are to have in waiting and working, looking forward to the return of Christ. And we are be encouraged by the rewards, especially the rewards of people coming to know Christ when Christ comes, we'll have that reward that there'll be many, hopefully, who have come to Christ because we have been faithful and been an example and given the gospel. And third, we are to be encouraged to live in light, the way we live, the, way, the blameless, you know, we should have clear consciences, we should live lives that are honoring to God Because Christ is coming soon, we want to be found blameless. And we are fourthly, we can be encouraged and comforted that all those who have passed away that are believers in Christ, we're going to see them again when Christ comes. We have that to look forward to, and we we need not mourn like others who have no hope. And then fifth, we are encouraged to take these certain actions. We had a whole long list in that fifth chapter to live in light, to build one another up in light of the return of Christ. And that one day he will return, he will rapture his church, will stand before him, be accountable for our lives, and he will judge those who have rejected him. And this world of, of sin that we live in, sin is a temporary thing. And it is going to one day come to an end. We have that to look forward to. Let's live in light of that. You know, Many of us stayed up late, I speak for myself anyway, stayed up late Tuesday night watching the election results to see who was going to be the next president. How much more should we be watching and waiting and looking forward to when Christ is going to return and live in light of that truth every day? Let's close in prayer.